This is the Witcher podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back with the second part of our coverage of The Witcher Season 2, talking about Episode 3, Reunion, and Episode 4, The Invitation. For all the Brotherhood's faults, they respect magic. She deserves to know what hers is capable of. She deserves control of her destiny. Please, please help me make this right for us. For her. After all this time, after all your searching, you actually did it. Did what? Became a mother. Welcome back, fellow Witchers. It's TV Podcast Industries. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, and we're talking about The Witcher Season 3, Episode 3, Reunion, and Episode 4, The Invitation. Hello there, fellow Witchers. I am your other host, John. Welcome back. Yeah, just to tell us again uh, to talk about two more episodes of uh, the first half of The Witcher Season 3. Yes, we are a band of two. We are. Uh, traversing through the continent at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Chris has stopped off to drink some ale. Well, I don't think he's drinking any ale at the moment. I think no, he's, uh, I think he's uh, just dealing with baby milk. Yes, I was just trying to be a, a little more fantasy epic, right. you know, with Chris downing the ale, probably in the company, certainly of small people, mm-hmm. uh, but also, uh, dare I say it, uh, wenches as well. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure if his wife would be very no, pleased with that. I don't think that. so either. Um, I do not mean it. Okay, well, maybe Miles is the chosen one. Maybe that's it. It could be, be that. Yes, yeah. he's looking after the golden egg. There you go. Yes. There you go. <laughs> well, enough about Chris. Uh, let's get into our discussion about the next episode of The Witcher. Uh, exactly as we did last time, we're going to cover each episode separately uh, within this one podcast. So I'm uh, going to talk about episode three, Reunion, first. Uh, all of our podcasts about The Witcher are now available on tvpodcastindustries.com. Pop over there. I have a full feed of every episode that we've covered uh, of The Witcher and The Witcher Blood Origin as well. Uh, you can also subscribe to our main podcast, TV Podcast Industries, over there as well, uh, where you'll find our coverage of Secret Invasion every week. Yes, loads of stuff uh, for all you fellow witches mm-hmm. out there on TV Podcast Industries. Um, you can also go to the website to uh, leave a voicemail for our feedback, or alternatively, you can send an email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Yeah. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV Podcast Industries, where yes. we do have spoiler posts for this season of the witcher yeah up. absolutely uh, we're also on on twitter still uh tv pod industries not on threads yet i have been being asked about that but uh we can't get threads in europe uh unfortunately so uh we won't be up on threads for, for a very long time i know i would say shocking so we'll have to stick to twitter and instagram and facebook and uh Facebook page, Facebook group, <laughs> and the website. Uh, but loads of places to find us anyway. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, though. As, as John said, please email us if you have any thoughts about any of the episodes of The Witcher so far, or even this half of the season. We'd love to hear your thoughts for the final episode coverage on there. But let's get into Reunion, John. Yes, uh, our spoiler-filled discussion. Derek, let's kick this off with... Who gave us what, where, when, how, and why? Well, the show, of course, is based on the book series by Andrew Sapkowski and the game series from CD Projekt Red. The showrunner for the show, of course, is Lauren Schmidt-Hisrich. 
And this episode of the show is directed by Ganja Montero. Most recently, uh, Ganja directed two episodes of Wednesday on Netflix. Oh, very fun show. Yeah. Yes. And uh, she also is directing two episodes of The Walking Dead spinoff, uh, Dead City, the big budget one with Negan and Maggie in New York. Yes. Yeah, we don't cover De- Dead City over here on, on this podcast, on TV Podcast Industries, uh, but a show that we are covering that Ganja directed as well uh, is Agatha Coven of Chaos. Uh, she just wrapped up production on uh, on Agatha Coven of Chaos from Very Marvel. good. So we'll yeah. see more of Ganja uh, in the future. We certainly will. We certainly will. She also I- directs episode four of this season of Witcher too. Yes. Uh, this episode was written by Haley Hull. Um, Haley's been working on The Witcher all the way back to season one, starting out as a staff writer on season one and executive story editor in season two. Uh, also wrote the screenplay for season uh, one, episode six, and wrote season two, episode six as well. Excellent stuff. Yeah. All the H's going on there. Yeah, Haley Hull. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Witcher season three, episode three, Reunion? Sure. Yaskia is still thinking about Prince Radovid. He might just have a crush on him. But his contemplation is interrupted when Geralt needs his help with the girl he found at Castle Volpen. Geralt brings the girl to a friend of his mother's, Annika. Under a potion cooked up by Annika's partner, Otto, they learn that the girl is a student called Terran from Arachusa, who was kidnapped by a man who she'd always been afraid of as a novice at the school, and a woman with a strange voice. Geralt and Yaskia resolve to go to Arachusa, leaving Terran with the couple. Meanwhile, after deciding Ciri needs better instruction to become the leader she believes she should be, Yennefer has to also change herself to be allowed back into the Brotherhood of Mages. But as the mages return to pick up Siri, she is unhappy with being treated like a servant by the mages from Aratusa. Siri steals a horse and runs to find Geralt. But on the journey, the spectral forms of the wild hunt bleed through to the continent, searching for Siri. But Geralt drives them away. <laughs> Up in the Northern Kingdoms, Redanian intelligence make a big play to get King Vizimir back in line with Queen Hedwig conducting secret meetings with Nilfgaard without the permission of Dijkstra and Philippa, they have the Queen's head served to their boss in a box, blaming Nilfgaard for her murder. While back in Nilfgaard, the elf Gallatin brings Cahir to Emperor Emir and tells him of Francesca's plan to capture Ciri. He wants support to overthrow Francesca and get back on his mission to take the Northern Territories. But following a private audience with Amir, Cahir is ordered to prove himself as a good leader by murdering Gallatin. Reluctantly, Cahir brutally carries out his orders. Yes, lots of brutality in this episode. <laughs> lots. As well, yes. yeah. Like, it's not, it's not a show that shies away from blood or, or murder or torture, uh, for that matter, but uh, this is another episode that feels like a Game of Thrones um, yes, spin-off sometimes. All kind of in the head and neck area. Yeah. So it's all a little squeaky and squidgy. It certainly is. Yes. It certainly is. But you do get a sense, and I have to say, uh, that moment before Cahir kills uh, Gallison, um, the the performance of Eamon Farron, I just really, really enjoyed, because I did get this sense that something bad was going to happen, mm. and I didn't really have that up to that point. Uh, certainly not while Cahir is proving his loyalty again and, be, and I didn't expect uh, 
uh, Amir would go that route in yeah. terms of killing Gallatin. Uh, but I just really liked how he behaves in this scene. It was mm-hmm. really edgy. There was this emphasis on the drinking, you know, almost like the Dutch courage uh, yeah. type of situation. But also in terms of the lines for this scene, it really felt like he was playing out and justifying in real time to Gallison mm-hmm. about what he was about to do. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought this was really, really good because I did think something pretty horrific was going to happen there. Really? And um, because of that, but not because of the lead up. And it put me on edge for the scene, which mm. in the end proved right for me. And yeah. I thought that was just really kind of good little performance there from Eamon Farron, which mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed because yeah, you know, he was, he was so career, big, yeah. so big in season one, mm-hmm. you know, that fall from grace. And it, it's, it's good to get a bit of time back with Cahia yeah. uh, in this season as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I really liked the banter between the two of them in that scene. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't putting me on edge at all. I was kind of going, oh, okay, they are making friends. Cahir uh, finally has somebody that will stand by his side because um, while Gahir is technically a bad guy in the show, he's been punished quite a lot yeah. throughout the, the two seasons that we've seen him so far. And I think Gallison calling out to him that, um, you know, oh, you were the poor little rich boy that lost everything. And he's like, no, no, the money was gone way before I was kicked out of court. You know, I thought that was just a joke. But it turns out, actually, um, it's not a joke. It's That is what happened to Gahir. He is uh, indebted to uh, the emperor effectively yeah. so uh, and willing to basically do any command even taking out galton the one that brought him back um to court yeah it was good yeah, yeah. as i yeah. say yeah. i, I thought uh the, the subtle behavior in that scene from mm. kahir was just really good it really kind of it felt perfect yeah. for that scene yeah. and bye bye robbie Anno. I know, yeah. short and sweet. I guess we were really surprised when he turned up on the show because <laughs> yeah. he does have a lot of work on. He's a he's a very hard working actor. He's got lots of other other shows on. Uh, was definitely surprised at him turning up, uh, but even more surprised at how quickly he's gone. Absolutely, um, but that's kind of a side point, John. We normally take out our big moments from the episode. So, what's your big moment from episode three of The Witcher, season three? And um, for me, it's. It's the gradual coming together of the puzzle here mm. around, you know, this dark mage in the shadows mm. puppeting uh, Rientz here, and, and in particular with Siri version 2, mm-hmm. uh, as released by Amazon. And I, re- I really enjoyed this. I, I loved how, you know... With Geralt finding Siri, Siri's doppelganger in the, in the previous uh, episode, mm-hmm. uh, you know... First and foremost, you know, Geralt talking to Yaskia, sort of interrupting him, obsessing about uh, Radovid. Mm-hmm. You know, he does. He kind of confirms here that actually it's it's part of an experiment. Right. Um. It it's uh. You know, there's a there's a rambling here. Um. From Terran. Um. The the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he takes her to Annika. Uh. What's really good here? Not only the puzzle, but. Because Annika is a friend of Geralt's mum, I, I like how this links into the animated uh, spin-off here. A little bit, about, yeah. Uh, just, just yeah. really, just a touch. Yeah. Um, but it's really nice after having seen the animated uh, spin-off mm-hmm. at looking at Geralt's sort of early life. Nightmare of the Wolf, just in case yeah. anybody hasn't seen that. Um, yeah. You know, that was a nice little touch here, and I thought it worked well in this context of mm-hmm. Geralt being a protector of this unknown young girl yeah uh, and in terms of how he felt about his 
his his own mother's protection of him mm. when he speaks with Annika later on in the episode. But I think out here with the the fact that Siri t- version two here, uh, Terran is effectively enchanted and has a mind control mm-hmm. because they need her to believe that she is Siri. Uh, so there needs to be some manipulation here. So these experiments are kind of part of uh, uh, a manipulation. She is half elven, half human. Mm-hmm. And so Annika, who is a druid, um, is expert in potions, so gives, gives her a potion to cure her. Um, it will be able to, to so that they can find out more of the information. Like one of the other side of this is that Annika says, you know, all the different types of magic required for this mind control, whether it's even elven elder magic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of different things so that the mage behind uh, this experimentation has a lot of interests, uh, she says, to pull this off because of the different types of magic required. Yeah. Um, uh, but Geralt is, it almost feels here impatient in the end. And so comes in, uh, from a conversation with Yaskir after he's been chopping wood. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the fact that Yaskir is, is kind of saying, you've kind of chopped enough wood for fires for the next <laughs> like, two centuries. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is something about Yaskir talking about the source mm-hmm. of, um, of the original series sort of, own sort of strength and internal strength that yeah. uh, br- makes Geralt impatient because Yaskia hits on there's always a source to the magic. Uh, and so, in effect, he, he interrupts Annika's potion, which needs a long time for, for it to take effect. But he does wake up uh, the girl and finds out her name, Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds out that she was dragged from her room by a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but also then, importantly, that the man who pulled her from the room uh, scurred her at Arachusa. Yeah. Uh, and the woman it has a funny voice. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're going, okay, this mage, this rebel reject mage isn't a reject because they're a major Aratusa, which is the home of the Brotherhood yeah. of Mages. Yeah. Um, you then get a really great scene, though, where um, seemingly Tyrion then becomes possessed um, and starts speaking in tongues mm-hmm. uh, from, or being manipulated by a third person. Yes. And it, it, it it's really good because it sounds like the the woman with the funny voice and it morphs into a kind of a combination of that voice with a male voice as well mm. Pr- most likely the the mage who has tried to do this manipulation on uh, Terran and I, I just really liked how Terran here changes and the the voices are are saying to Geralt I am Ciri's destiny. And causes chaos then in uh, Annika's home. Mm. Uh, we have Otto who starts to turn into a w- werewolf. Well, I, lo- I love that. I must say, there's yeah. a, there's a little touch of that that felt like, um, like the Exorcist. Yes, it felt, yeah. felt like the like she'd been possessed and had realised that the best way of taking them all out was to take off this 
amulet that he's wearing to stop him from becoming a werewolf again. And it's just that moment where the camera turns to her and she's got this smile on her face, like um, Regan in in, uh, in The Exorcist, where she's like the demon possessed and going, and I've also got another one up on you here. He's about to turn back into a werewolf. And yeah. that's a, a little, a big powerful fight that could be happening in this room. Uh, we don't see the transformation. Uh, Yasker and, and Geralt uh, stop it before he transforms, but you can hear the noises. You can hear his body start to creak as if it's about to start shape-shifting into the, into the werewolf yeah. uh, to take them out. So I thought that was really a really good use of, of, of um, her in the scene. I thought that was really cool. Well, that's yeah. it. it. It felt really good because mm. it felt real danger in that moment. Yeah. I, I love like the interjection of that possession, as yeah. you say. Yeah, it's cool. Um, really helped. I, I like that it how it got resolved quite quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, at the end of the day, the clever use not to have Otto transform into a, a werewolf. Yeah, um, and also then Otto manages to get more of Annika's potion to Terran so that she is sedated again mm-hmm. and they that that can work its it its own magic to undo all this uh, manipulation um and mind control that has been performed yeah. on Terran. Yeah. Um, but overall you're right this 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 moment in the episode where we're big. learning more about um the plus we're learning, learning more about uh, what's going on and who could potentially be behind it. I thought it worked really well. We only get one scene uh, towards the end of the episode with uh, Rience and what we suspect is the one with the funny voice. It's the it's the yeah. uh, the uh, mage who can't talk because um, she had she has her face burnt. Uh, she can't speak, so she uses telepathy to speak to people. So her voice comes across weirdly. So to Tyrion, this is probably yes. who she's talking about here. And that um, that's the thing. Yeah. Again, those puzzles coming in a bit later. So, yeah. I, I mean, in that moment, you're going, the woman with a funny voice, yeah. who is that? And then you get this scene. So, you know, th- th- these parts of the jigsaw start to come together, yeah. um, which I really, really enjoyed um, through mm-hmm. uh, this. I mean, even in uh, Redania, you get elements here of m- maybe more of the mystery or more of the, the plan uh, as well. But th- this has, you know, good amount of meaty substance Absolutely. here around, you know, who this mage is. And most importantly, that it is a mage residing in Artusa where Yennefer is taking Siri too. You know, so there's real exactly. danger here now for Siri. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other side of this, as I mentioned just right at the start here, I actually really like the personal element that links into the the animation of you know with his mom. I think it, you know, Geralt sometimes doesn't always get a personal moment. Yeah, here. absolutely. And um, in fact, dare I say it, he even cries um, mm. and and so on. But uh, I I just kind of liked um, the sentiment here as Geralt is speaking with Annika after she's recovering from being flung across her house by the possessed Terran. And, you know, asking how his mother who has died. Mm -hmm. uh, And, you know, Annika is clear to Geralt, you know, she died badly and and beaten up. Um, And but Geralt, you know, is a real sage, actually, because he says, you know, I didn't want to hurt. I just just to recognize what she did, yeah. you know, because she abandoned him. And, you know, Annika's point, again, I, I just was really nice kind of logic and ra- reasoning behind this. She says, you know, yes, it it wasn't the only choice. She didn't have to abandon you, but it was the one she made. Mm. And that's where we are. 
You can't think about what other choices she yeah. made. There were other choices on that table that she possibly thought of, but in that moment, mm -hmm. at that time, the choice um was for that was the choice she made. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it brings him back to just reminiscing a bit about his childhood, you know, about yeah. that she smelt of the the embers from the fire but he also remembers the hunger and also that you know he would have done anything to make a smile and and the mm -hmm. little tear trickles down and you know i think that's a really important moment for for Geralt as a character yeah. uh, in this show as well so i liked how these two elements came together uh in a um in anika's home yeah really yeah absolutely and it is it is great to get that kind of uh view into Geralt's life and what happened to him in the past we don't we, we haven't gotten much of that at all in the show so uh it is great to have those those little moments and an interesting tie into the overall kind of theme of the show as well um his mother died because she was beaten, as you say, but beaten because she went into a town and they believed that she was an elf. Yes. So she was beaten because of that. And that led her to her death. Um, I like that, again, Annika calls out that her mother never forgot the choice that she made. You make choices to save your children that on the outside you will constantly question. And she may have questioned that until the day she died, um, is, is how Annika puts it, which I just thought was quite an interesting way of uh, of talking about his mother and the choice that she made to yeah, leave him behind. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but the, the whole upshot of this now is that um, Geralt and Yaskia are mm -hmm. also on their way to Artusa, yeah. uh, armed with this information. Yeah. I was wondering earlier on in the episode as to why Geralt brought Yaskia uh, to meet Siri version 2. I was kind of going, hang on a second. Why, why does he need Yaskia here? I'm glad he's there because he's the one that stops the werewolf attack. He's the one that um, that is able to uh, calm down Terran uh, to get her to, to knock her out effectively. Um, he's also the one that came up with the idea uh, about the source, even though he didn't know that. Um, all good things that have happened, but there's no particular reason why Geralt went and got him, except he likes his traveling companion. Yeah. And in case he had to move on from Annika's house, to wherever the next destination is, he takes uh, Yaskir with him from the uh, the town he's staying in, basically. Yeah, so absolutely. I think that's probably what it is. Now, we need to go right now, Yaskir. We're on the next stage of our mission, and I'm not coming back to get you. <laughs> I think the other important thing is, you know, that, that scene where uh, Geralt is chopping the wood and you have the conversation with Yaskir, mm -hmm. in, in that moment, uh, you know, Yaskir tells Geralt about the deal that he has had with um mm -hmm. Dijkstra and uh Pip and or Philippa yeah. uh, you know and his reasons for it to make Siri safe mm -hmm. you know um and you know in a sense Geralt can agree why he's chosen that way yes you know yeah um he comes across really rationally here yeah um Geralt is a very rational man but because Yasker's experience with him is that he's not very talkative and very brutal person. He probably thinks that the reaction from Geralt would be pretty bad to him saying he made a deal. Yeah. Um, but they talk it out quite rationally and it comes to a good conclusion that Geralt can see why he made the decision. But if you think about it further, she'll never be safe um, with them. Although, yeah. as Jaskier himself said, Geralt is a hammer, uh, which is no <laughs> use for dealing with the problem that is a bowl of porridge. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side of that, Redivid, who we... Uh, we see him obsessing about uh -huh. um, is a spoon because that is perfect for porridge. Perfect for yes. porridge. Um, <laughs> I think just on a side note, um, uh, interestingly with Yaskia, because I mean with Redovid, 
you know, his motivation, his intention is still a little bit unclear to me. It's still a bit of a mystery, you know, uh, but Yaskia pulls a, a few threads there on that, you know, saying he is insightful, he's intelligent and he's sharp. And um, he says he can't meet Geralt because, you know, he's like a knife and a knife can't yeah. meet with Geralt. And um, he also says you can't play a player. You know, so he recognizes that Redovid, for whatever reason, mm. is a player here yeah. um, doing stuff. And you see that with how Redovid uh, interacts as well, even with uh, Dykstra and Philippa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, that was another good kind of moment around the the red of his character other than you know the the crush and so on as well yeah yeah you know, is it real or pretend the crush or yes a... like, is he a damn fine actor effectively <laughs> well i guess as his character action. i mean yeah. you know yeah. is it part of a play if he is um a player maybe maybe but we'll find out pretty soon uh Probably in the next episode that we're recording on this podcast. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so we don't want to set that up as a big, uh, a big mystery. <laughs> but anyway, we won't gonna... talk about it on this one, though, on this section, though. Yes. Um, I, is that it for your big moment? It certainly is, Derek. Cool. What is your big moment for episode three? You know, I could have picked a few um, big moments from this episode, but the one that will probably stay with me for uh, for a while is. Um, uh, I'm going to call it staying ahead of the king. Um, <laughs> Redanian intelligence take their um, opportunity to put themselves back on top of Redania, uh, where I guess Dijkstra has always felt he belongs. Um, he's the one that's worked so hard to keep the power there, regardless of what king is sitting on the throne. Um, and he feels that uh, that the king and his wife, um, Hedwig, are getting ahead of themselves um are using the shockingly using their kingly and queenly power to uh, to make inroads into territory that he feels he should be the owner of you know they went behind his back and made an arrangement with with Nilfgaard yep. uh, without consulting him uh without anything else um we see um king Vesemir um effectively putting Dijkstra in his place saying you give me the information i make the decisions that's how that's how our relationship works i don't need to consult with you on those decisions you provide info, I make decisions, and that's it. All over a really interesting game of what seems like ball in peasant's face. Is that Would that yeah. be the name of the game? But it's, I, it's like a very small version of lacrosse where you don't use the goals, you use the face of one of your servants. Yeah, although the king also was wearing uh, one of the, the face masks, the protective face masks, yeah. and had a goal behind him in the same way as his opponent. He did. Um, so I'm just thinking that actually Vizimir was supposed to be getting it into the goal behind the man, mm -hmm. but found greater fun and enjoyment by hurling it at, at that, the man's head, because yeah. you do what it's off camera, but his, his final throw of this metal ball, yeah. uh, seems to suggest that that man didn't uh, outlast this game of whatever they were playing. Well, although Radovid does say he, say he has uh, three more shots to go uh, when he cuts the game <laughs> short to go off and meet his wife, or meet, meet the Queen. Um, so, uh, I don't know. So I don't he know. may have won 3-0 then, because there was no one there alive to actually protect the goal. I just think it's like a slightly more enhanced, including weapons version of the kids' game, uh, who can hit each other harder, I'll go first. Um, that's what I think it was like. And the king gets 10 shots before yeah. 
uh, before his opponent gets a shot in. Um, yeah. But back to Rodenian intelligence themselves. Um, yes, Dijkstra is taking this as a big a big uh, problem. Um, Philip and himself have been working really hard to, to maintain their control. And I like how this plays out. Their, their plan and approach plays out. They want to use uh, the prin- Prince Radovid because they've been tasked with um, effectively chaperoning him all across uh, the continent looking for Siri. They haven't come very far with that. And the way that they use him is they effectively take Hedwig's head, take Queen Hedwig's head, put it in a box and in Radovid's room and have Radovid deliver it to the king. Yeah. Uh, unbeknownst to him, he thinks it's a nice pr- present for the king. You know, he probably thinks it's full of, full of ale or something. Um, but that moment when the king opens the box and sees his wife's head inside and freaks out and runs out of the room, I love the turn on Dijkstra there it's instant it's yeah. instantaneous the minute he looks shocked and the minute uh, the king walks out of the room the all pretense drops he sits in the throne effectively yeah. eating the king's food uh, he's now back on top here and Radovid clearly shocked about this um, feels like he he has some power there in, in the room he says you know I'll, I'll tell the king exactly what you did and then you'll be on the outs again and, and we'll take the power back and Dijkstra says no no you're the one that brought the head to the room here. Um, how do I know that yeah. you weren't involved? So, uh, Dijkstra again using all of his uh, all of his strategies. So it feels like he's going to get what he wants out of this. The possibility that he is creating here is that Nilfgaard actually made a play and killed the queen. So that's yeah. that's going to be well. He can actually choose whoever he wants to to be uh, the person responsible yeah. for this and set the king uh, and his armies against them, I guess. I have to say, I love Rodanian intelligence. Me too. I think the partnership of Dijkstra and, and Philippa are just mm-hmm. really, really good. The There's same. also an element to me, because of Rodanian intelligence, mm-hmm. I just think of Team America with <laughs> central intelligence. Um, and bad so, intelligence. Bad intelligence, yes. yeah. Uh, so... But I really like these characters. I love how they operate together. Um, it, it, it's, it's a nice little sort of almost comedic element mm. here a bit, but also, you know, really meaningful to the story. So I, yeah. I really like these two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I loved, um, Dijkstra putting, uh, Redavid back in his place mm-hmm. here, and yeah, it's I, like I, you, you said, of course, drink all the ale you uh, drink all the ale that you can, and if I need you, I'll call you, yeah. kind of thing. I, I mean, the yeah. only thing at the moment is, you know, uh, Philippa seems to believe that Redovic is more use than actually Dijkstra does, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, and I'm wondering if that's tying into that somehow she is seeing sort of beyond what Dijkstra is that you know he's a spoiled brat effectively uh, and maybe is realizes that there is a player there or she understands his motivation or yeah. intent I don't know but I, I really like um these three uh with Redovid um Dijkstra and and Philippa yeah me too um I also like Vizami I think he's a really is you know, it's not that he's stupid, mm-hmm. but he's just almost eccentric a little bit. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I think in the same way, he is that standard spoiled brat that became king. And Prince Radovid is the spoiled yeah. brat that has, that's his brother. So he doesn't have to actually even do any of the kingly duties. But yeah. um, it's the fact that he doesn't know how to play the game, uh, to use the Game of Thrones analogy on it again. 
uh, the king doesn't know how to play the game. He doesn't know who you need to keep happy at court. Um, he feels like I'm king. I can do whatever I want. That is not the case here. Certainly not in Rodinia. Um, yeah. And there's one other thing that comes out of these scenes here. We see Philippa with, um, the, the king's messenger, her, her lover, um, at the end of the episode where, um, effectively we find out who the murderer of um of the queen is yeah. uh, we find out this is uh this is philip's lover that that took her head uh seems to have quite enjoyed uh taking her head despite yeah, it being yeah. quite a difficult job um but she gives her some more information kind of to piece together who uh Rience could be working for um says that there is a mage backing him and the connection then connects back to Nilfgaard. So whoever it is that's supporting Rienz seems to be working, seems to be a mage working for Nilfgaard. Yeah. yeah. And also, it, but it, it's even, she she mentions that Emea is using a mage, which is mm-hmm. unusual yeah. uh, because he is effectively, it's not that he's anti-mage, but it seems like he has become that and he, yeah. he doesn't like to use them. Yeah. Beca- such as with uh, Fringilla mm-hmm. um, being the the wine taster yeah. to make sure it's not poisoned, um, and the this mage is the woman with no voice uh, because she's not speaking but using telepathy instead, mm. and could portal past the protection spells placed around the castle uh, by Philippa. Yeah, um, but it, it it's previously uh, you know Philippa has been. Uh, trying to track uh, Rience as well and knows of the different energy exactly. of Rience's portal. And as soon as her lover says it was dark black, mm-hmm. she immediately puts it that oh, Rience works for Nilfgaard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the fact that there's then this other scene where Rience is really sort of bemoaning the fact that he is uh, working for Nilfgaard mm-hmm. here um, at his master's uh, request. Uh, and he's, he, that wasn't part of the deal. Exactly. Um, but I, I love how she comes back to him saying that the master indicates that working with Nilfgaard is not the same as working for Nilfgaard. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, this um, shadowy mage in the scenes mm-hmm. uh, is puppeting a lot of different people across the continent. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. That's my big moment uh, from the episode. Um, as I said, there was a couple of other uh, little things uh, on other major things in the episode, but that was that was the one that really stood yeah. out to me as my big moment from the episode. Any notes uh, on episode three? Anything else you want to talk about before we move on to episode four, John? Yes, uh, just a big shout out to the chaperone uh, given to Siri by <laughs> Yennefer um, uh-huh. at the uh, Genkardi Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where. I just really enjoyed this side character's moment uh, in the world of The Witcher. Um, I just love the fact that he was laying into Siri all the way through, you know, uh, you pound donuts like a truffle pig or <laughs> you little duck's ass, you know. Yeah. But then when, you know, Siri is trying to sort of... Um, the, the fight with the monster um, in the market, mm. he kind of comes up and punches the owner of the the monster in the face who's going to attack her um and is kind of quite chuffed with himself and he's like oh you you know it's like Syria's opened up this whole new world he goes i don't even know if i'll be employed anymore um but i don't care like he's in the end it's turned out like after after being sort of given the job of chaperoning this kind of to his mind spoiled brat Mm -hmm. um 
he's actually quite enjoyed it and it doesn't really care if he gets fired because he's just hit uh, you know, an owner of the big show in town, yeah. which is around monsters. Um, yeah. but he doesn't care. So I just thought it was a really nice little, um, just a nice little character just yeah. thrown in as the chaperone, uh, exactly. with Siri. Mind well the name. Yes, yeah. indeed. And yes, also just, you know, we do get, um, Istrid. Here yes, well. we do. Yeah, we do in a, in a, a fun scene where he's got a thief that's gone out to find all of his uh, all of his items for him. Uh, can't yeah. even get his name right. Doesn't really care. <laughs> right, like Just calls that. it ancient elven garbage that yeah. she has gone out to collect for him. Exactly. Uh, but book. he is looking for this, a book mm-hmm. uh, on that yeah. Uh, yeah, all on the monoliths. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's looking for this book, um, and it went to. Artusa as well by yes. order of the white flame. Mm-hmm. So again, another little element of the puzzle here. Absolutely, absolutely. A really big one that was only in in one scene is uh, as Ciri's escaping and going back to uh, to Geralt um, by on horseback. Uh, we see the wild hunt arrive. Um, this is in the background all the time uh, from from back to season one, uh, back to season two. Anyway, um, the wild hunt is coming, and the wild hunt is coming for Ciri. We see. Um, these spectral forces coming down, and they touch her. You see, Harry, Siri reacting to it. Um, you know, not realizing that the, that they'll be able to touch her, and they're saying to her, "She is death." So, whether they want her to join the wild hunt, um, are they? Yeah. Uh, you know, is, is it the other uh, member of the apocalypse that they want? Uh, they want Siri to to join them. Um, but it, it's just a it's a very quick moment with them. But uh, again, seem to be seeping into our world uh, through yeah, absolutely through, uh, through um, the portals. I guess. Yeah, really, really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would give this four truffle pigs out of five. Very good. Um, I, I just really uh, enjoyed the. The puzzles starting starting to make sense on yeah. the table, yeah. uh, and some of them put together, and you know it really sort of drives the the danger and the intrigue and the threat level forward. So I really yeah. thought there was a great amount of momentum from this episode. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, since I don't normally grade episode by episode, we talk about every episode, but probably since I was so critical of last week's episode of how confusing it is. I just have to say this episode was so much better. Um, even though there was probably as many stories going on here, more characters were, were together in scenes that mattered in this episode. Yeah. We spent more time with each character and it just worked so much better as an episode. So I enjoyed it so much more watching this episode. Uh, also, um, one final note, just good to see uh, Yaskir back with Vespula, who was throwing all of his crap out the last time we saw her. Yes. Um, he's back there again. They're still... Uh, Pushing and pulling against each other, I suppose. Uh, and even when she's finding out that he's uh, potentially got a crush on somebody else, yeah, could have gotten very amorous again uh, before Geralt knocked on the door. You yeah. Know? So uh, I like that. I like that relationship. Good stuff. Yeah. I think the only final thing would be that, you know, Siri and Yen really do argue quite badly in yes, this. They do. I mean, the reason why she uh, leaves the, the village where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she's then, uh, sort of ends up being chased by the wild hunt. Um, mm-hmm. and that's all down to Yen returning with mages from Arachusa, including, uh, Tissia. Um, and, you know, they really treat her as a, as a slave, you know, getting wine, mm-hmm. ordering her about, 
Also, Trissia does weep blood directly at her, which I guess I would want to run away from that. Yeah. Um, but it's not a good introduction for Siri to these mages who, she, you know, she thinks she's going there, um, to, to get protection. Uh, and in the end, you know, I guess there are some home truths, uh, sort of dealt out in the moment between Siri and Yen, mm-hmm. uh, that means she just ups uh, and heads off, uh, using her talisman to try and get Geralt to, to come for her. So it's a big element, but, you know, just, need to mention it i think yeah absolutely there's even even the moment between tissia and yennefer when yen is asking tissia to train uh to train up siri that she'll do anything to get siri trained she needs the help she needs someone as powerful as tissia and i love that tissia turns to her and goes after everything you've tried everything you've done you finally become a mother that's a, a huge moment in yennefer's arc yen has pushed back against all of them for taking away your ability to have children tried every spell tried every potion to try and get the ability to be a mother back and now tissia saying to her this is what a mother does sacrifices everything to uh, give their daughter a better start in life so yeah. you are a mother now so uh, loads of big moments as i said loads of things going on in this episode but um much more focused um yeah. much better focused than the previous episode uh but we're not going to talk about everything else. Uh, no. There's lots I'm, more to talk about uh, yeah. in episode four. Certainly. Yeah. And she warns Tissia about the Dark Mage backing Rience as yes. well. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Good stuff. We also have some feedback in uh, from our wonderful fellow watchers. Yes. Uh, we have an email in from Coffee and Vodka who says, Greetings, fellow Spectra rendering defenders. A bit chaotic, but held together via the themes of ties and loyalties. It didn't take long to uncover the mystery of Ciri's LMD, <laughs> Terran, the beheading of the Queen, and the telepathic Sorceress. All roads lead to the mysterious Puppet Master, the White Flame, or another player in the game. Yennefer is not back uh, a half hour before proposing a game-changing plan after her politically dramatic season two exit. Even if the idea of Conclave does sound good, Tessaia would be wise to take it with a grain of salt. Still, it all looks as if it's building to one hell of a crowded final conflict. So far, so fun. Looking forward to your take on the show so far. Four ripped-off ringwraiths, <laughs> wee wyverns, and quartered queens out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Uh, thanks so much, coffee and vodka. Actually, I mean, you are right. I think there is a very much that that hurried uh, quick step um, from season two, uh, the end of season two, with what she's proposing here with the, the, uh, with Yen pitching her idea for a conclave, um, without much consequence, you know. And I think you're right. There, there is a big acceptance of to see her, uh, here or of Yennefer. Um, mm-hmm. I guess they are the closest allies. Yes. Um, so yes. maybe that's part of it. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem even though the, the previous episode was about unintended consequences and what you do and mm-hmm. um, whether there's much consequence here, uh, for, um, Yennefer at this moment. But yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Absolutely. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. There is also the point that Yen is, um, playing up to it a bit she says to siri that you know you have to be the person that you're willing to you're willing to accept to stay in a place like this yep. she's putting on a front in front of everybody to get what she wants here as well so 
she's probably being a bit more subservient uh, than she would be naturally. And that's what Siri's seeing in her, her subservience to all of the rest of the witches around her. Um, that feels like Siri, something Siri wouldn't ever do, right? So, yeah. um, or feels like she wouldn't ever. Uh, but she hasn't been in this position before, really. They protected her from that. They allowed her to, to learn on the road um, and push back and fight back. Um, she's not learning with other mages. She's not learning with other witchers. With, uh, on Geralt's side, she's learning on the road. So, um, so yeah, I guess uh, that uh, Siri has a lesson to learn there herself. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Good stuff. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Over on Facebook, we got our message in from Dr. Bob Phyllis about this episode, who says... Things I didn't expect. Head in a box. Tosaya being almost overwhelmed by Cigarillo. The bard showing more than a thin smear of intelligence. And the reunion of the title being the trio of heroes. Almost. Or was that a version of the Wild Hunt? Is the new Portal version going to be powered by chaotic horror? Is Ciri's source the monoliths? And she just needs a little slice to control her magic. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, will she draw power from the monoliths when she's uh, when she's doing her magic, when she finally gets there and able to actually do magic? Yeah, because Blood Origins um, talked about, you know, the, the ancient hidden magic of mm. dealing with monoliths as well, which also uh, probably links to this book that we saw in um, Blood Origins as well. Ah, yes, this book on monoliths that Istrid's looking for. Yes, yeah. very good, very good. Good stuff. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks for the feedback. Keep sending it in. Feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and pop in your thoughts on any of the spoiler posts on there. That's it for our discussion of episode three. We'll be back after a quick break uh, for our chat about episode four, The Invitation. Nations are invisible lines that people assign meaning to. A life, however, a life has real meaning. It's warm skin and a beating heart. It should only be taken as a last resort. Righteousness can easily become rage. Justice can easily become scorn. If you want to be a queen, be a queen. I think you'll make an excellent one. Welcome back again, fellow Witchers. Uh, after that short break, uh, on to episode four of season three of The Witcher, The Invitation. Yes. Derek, let us get straight in with our spoiler-filled discussion. Uh, what are some of the episode details? Absolutely, yeah, I'll mention it again. The show is based on the book series by Andrzej Sapkowski and the game series from CD Projekt Red, showrunner Lauren Smith-Hisrich, and this episode directed again by Ganja Montero. Uh, this episode was written by Ray Benjamin. Uh, this is Ray's first full writing credit on the show, but she was a script coordinator throughout season two, so has worked in the writer's room with all the rest of the writers. Welcome to the writing credit, uh, Ray Benjamin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Witcher Season 3, Episode 4, The Invitation? Sure. 
Aboard a ship to Aratusa, Geralt, Siri, and Yaskia and the rest of the crew are attacked by an Eshna, which Geralt and Siri team up and kill. At Aratusa, in spite of opposition from Stregobor and Artorius Vigo, Yennefer convinces the Brotherhood of Sorcerers to host a conclave for mages to strengthen the unity of the North against Nilfgaard. And later she visits the Redanian court in person to invite Philippa, Ahart, and try to win the support of King Vizimir, who orders not only Philippa, but Dijkstra and Prince Radovid to attend as well. On her way back through the portal to Aratusa, Yennefer is ambushed by a creature that looks like Geralt, but she manages to escape. Upon reaching Francesca and the Scoetel, Cahir persuades her to join forces in their search for Ciri on behalf of the Emperor Emir. Although Emir believes the former mage of Nilfgaard Frangilla is dead, she has escaped and is enjoying her newfound freedom in a local tavern. Mm -hmm. There she learns about the conclave of the Brotherhood of Mages. Meanwhile, Triss and Istred investigate the missing Aratusian novices and the Book of Monoliths, and similar to Yennefer and Geralt, they arrive at the conclusion that Stregobor is the mastermind behind those events, and is the mage behind Rience's actions. Meanwhile, Ciri, with Yaskia babysitting, are kept in a safe haven away from Aratusa. Radovid tracks Yaskia down, and they kissed, just as Geralt, Yennefer, and the Northern Mages gather at Aratusa to begin the conclave with a spectacular ball. Ooh, yes, the conclave of mages seems mm. to be uh, seems to be a. Uh, um a big center point uh, for the series, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, getting everybody back together. And a very romantic kiss in this episode. Uh, Yaskir and uh, Prince Radovid uh, finally getting together after the, uh, the couple of episodes where you knew there was definitely a connection between the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there was that. And also the kiss with between Yennefer and Geralt That's as well, true. which yeah. that scene in general was just really, really good with mm. both Yaskir and uh, Ciri riffing on what they were possibly saying um mm -hmm. so i i, I love that I, I did like how the bad it reading. moved from humor <laughs> and then sort of immediately you know as they became a bit more intimate yaskir just gets a little bit more serious before they pull it back to being humorous again i really enjoyed that scene yeah that was great that was great and yeah as i say it's just lovely to see uh radovid and yaskir uh getting together as well it's, i thought that was a lovely scene i thought it was really well really yeah. well played between the two of them i love this idea that um Radovid couldn't get that song out of his head from Yaskir, so he learns it, even though he's a terrible lute player. But, uh, but as Yaskir says, maybe he can teach him uh, to play lute. Yes. Uh, That's nice. As he says, you don't just see people, you see the best in people. Love it. And he's connecting with yeah. that sexiness, I guess. Well, absolutely. But also, you know, this is a, a knock-on effect of what happened uh, when we talked about it in episode three, that, that moment in Redania where effectively... Prince Radovid has always kind of been, you know, player in course, you know, nothing's going to nothing's going to bother me. I'm in power or at least my brother's in power and all that rug has been pulled out from underneath him yeah. as well. So um, the fact that he's able to reconnect with uh, with Yaskir here is, is obviously a major comfort to him. <laughs> yeah, I did like the fact as well, he said, I tried to knock, but it didn't go well. As, Absolutely. Uh, Yennefer has put a, a protection spell on the hook. Uh -huh. It probably um, knocked him back uh, yeah. quite, a, quite a bit. Uh, having a door that knocks you back is never a good thing, is it? Not at all. <laughs> uh, I just wonder how protected, though, given... Uh, the last episode and Philippa's enchantments mm. uh, weren't good enough to allow that dark, corrupted portal to 
to make its way through that protection. So, yeah, that's very ooh. true. That's very true. The fact they keep mentioning it. Don't worry, Siri's safe. I put a spell on it. It's absolutely <laughs> yeah, exactly. fine. Totally protected. She'll be grand till morning. Don't worry about it. Nobody even needs to check. Don't go in and check and see if Siri's okay before morning. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I would be worried. I know she's a very powerful mage, a uh, very powerful witch, um, old Yennefer, but, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm never too sure about if you continually repeatedly mention yes. that, that, that the person is safe. Uh, are they really safe? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, let's get into our big moment, uh, from episode four. John, uh, where do you want to start for your big moment for the episode? Uh, for me, I've got the ferryman and the, the ferry crossing across the, uh, the, the, the strait of water, um, as Geralt, Yaskia and Siri make their way to Arachusa. Mm. Um, I actually really like this because in the context of everything else going on in this episode, mm-hmm. which I really liked as well, this felt like old school, um, the Witcher, yeah. uh, and, uh, Siri, they're taking on the, the monster, uh, the Eshna that has been, um, harassing, uh, the, the ferryman Obin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just kind of really liked that, but tinged within that action piece, which I really enjoyed was, you know, some really nice moments here. Yes. Um, firstly, we have that Obin saw the wild hunt coming down from the tower mm. at Arachusa. Um, you know, and talks of its meaning about war coming mm-hmm. and, uh, but in the end is happy enough that that should be left to soothsayers and so on. Yeah, but he does say it's more than war. He says it's destruction. This is the yes. death of everything. People will be fighting. This is annihilation. This isn't just your standard war, one kingdom against the other. Agreed. It will be all peoples yeah. against each other and annihilation. And I think he stands down and says, I'll leave it to soothsayers when he sees Siri's face and Geralt's reaction. It's kind of like, hang on a second don't talk in front of the kid about the wild hunt and how bad it could be. Um, So I think he steps back for that reason, but I would say anybody else, he probably would have continued that, uh, that conversation. No, definitely. So, um, you know, I think the other side of this is we see that Yaskia's competition, uh, Valdo marks and his troop of uh, singers and and bards Mm. uh, arrives here. Um, and I, I, th- these rivals to Yaskia, um, and I just like how that played out. You know, they get the fare that's half price, whereas, um, that the payment for, uh, the three of them is that they have to kill a monster, putting mm-hmm. them in, in imminent danger of, of death. Um, I, I like that they do, um, their music, which just feels more rockier. You know, Valdo Marx is, uh, you know, he can't get Yaskia's Name right, he calls him Johan mm-hmm. and Jorma. Um, it, it, it's all in the face of, of, of Yaskia as they're loosing and singing their way around the deck of this ferryman, but, uh-huh. uh, and have also gotten the invite to, um, Arachusa to this conclave. Yeah, the ball, uh, yes. Uh, and Yaskia is there without any invitation, uh, whatsoever. Didn't even know about it. No, so I, I just really, really enjoyed um, that aspect to it as well. But all the Asker's connections and nobody even told me that the conclave, conclave is going on. They're going there for a completely different reason. So I love that he makes up, you know, well, I've got very important business uh, from uh, Yennefer. Uh, she's the one that told yeah. me, and she's much more important to them than the one that hired you for the ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just so petty and, 
uh, but great at the same time. The the other thing I like here is, you know, not only do you have the hunting skills on offer uh, on display by Siri uh, on the Eshna, which, you know, she's good. She's good at that mm-hmm. uh, as well. There is another really nice moment between Geralt uh, and her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Geralt giving a bit of sage advice. You know, you hear Siri saying, well, maybe I should use steel uh, to keep... Um, people in line and to enforce my my will and he says just be careful um you know that righteousness doesn't become rage or justice becomes scorn and he 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 goes through the story he says you know i'll take a job i'll take coin um from anyone you know for for monsters no matter where they're from or or who they are and however a life has real meaning you know there is a warm and beating heart behind that so be careful how you approach this but he he, you know he tempers this um with if you want to be a queen you should and you'd make an excellent queen yes you know and siri is really kind of pleased you know you can see the confidence that he instills in her and Mm -hmm. to the point where you know even that translates obviously to the hunting skills as siri is the one that lands the killer blow absolutely and you know discussing through the weaknesses on the eshna uh, for when it attacks Mm -hmm. um I did just really like that um attack on board. I loved that the monster just was really good. It's, even though its le- its legs were also like arms as it clutched the sides of the boat mm-hmm. as it was going around the sort of central cog in the ship uh as Siri and Geralt are sort of putting blows on it. But uh with with the final kill blow, again there's a, a pride there from Geralt seeing her make that kill mm-hmm. on this monster. And I like that she's, you know, kind of looking up at him, uh, sort of recognizing that just as the green blood splatter <laughs> at the end, uh, c- kind of goes over Siri's face. That was mm-hmm. a really funny little touch. And I, I think it's just more generally actually for this series, there are these little touches here that, I think are absolutely played for humor yeah. and I really, really like them uh, because as it, it's just nice little touches throughout. And that was one that just stood out to me, you know, for yeah. me. So I, I really like this whole uh, ferryman aspect here. And I thought there was a lot of stuff around that, that fed into the episode as well. Yeah, absolutely agree. You know, that the idea that they have this really annoying bard troop on board that are getting attacked by by the uh, the monster as well. I thought that was quite fun. Did you get to catch the little line uh, when they're arriving at Aratusa and uh, Valdemark says to the first guy that was attacked, oh, you got hit on the head, and then goes, actually, you send more in key now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought, was, really, thought that was quite funny really good. as well. Yeah. But there's a lo- that, that is a lovely moment between, uh, between Geralt and Ciri here on the boat as well. You know, uh, She has another great moment with Yaskir as well, where uh, Yaskir is very complimentary about her, and she's kind of going, wow, this is the nicest thing you've ever said to me, you know? Um, so I think people are treating her a little more as an equal in this season, definitely. She's definitely a more active character this season. Her actually taking out the monster here uh, aboard the ship is is part of that but there is the other side of it how powerful siri is and the things that she's done that have affected the world early on we hear the explanation of the wild hunt from episode three that effectively by by 
um, Siri opening up portals and going into other worlds, she's left the door open on the way back, yeah. um, which has allowed the Wild Hunt to come back in. And effectively, Geralt's explaining, you know, with you training up your powers and with you training up your magic, hopefully that means you'll be able to do all of that and close some doors behind you as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which yeah. I, I liked. And and also... Sounds a little bit like a parent uh, saying, shut that door after you. Yeah, exactly. You the into the uh, yeah. And, <laughs> but, and also him, you know, kind of... You know, after the argument between Siri and Yen, him saying that Yennefer will forgive you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she does as well. You know, that things were said in the heat of the moment. Yep. Uh, you know, Siri um, wants to take some of those back uh, because they, you know, she realizes they were unfair mm-hmm. and is worried now about her relationship with, with Yennefer. But ultimately, yeah. you know, when they meet, um, all is forgiven yeah. and, and moved on. Yeah. As we kind of said, um, protection spell over the house. That's fine. Everything grand. She's just made uh, really close friends with Yaskir. She's made up with Yen and uh, Geralt's uh, said the nicest thing to her uh, ever by saying that uh, she'd be a great princess. Siri will be fine in that yeah, house it, all it, alone. <laughs> it doesn't bode well, does it really? It doesn't. It no. doesn't. Makes me, makes me afraid. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else on that point, John? No, that's all from me. Derek, what's your big moment from episode four? I think we have to talk about uh, Yennefer and uh, the Mage Conclave. It's a big moment for Yennefer. You know, again, she, even when she was going to um, Arachusa, she was saying that she wasn't sure how they were going to take her. You know, they tried to burn her at the stake and it didn't happen uh, last yeah. time uh, that she was back there. And there's still some resentment. We still see uh, Stregobor and Arturius Vigo beside him, the two of them, the kind of dissenting um, backbenchers almost yeah. uh, for the rest of the mages. Yeah, they're not happy. No, they're criticizing everything that Yennefer says and even the support that she has from Tissia. They're going, well, of course you'd support her. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's only as the rest of the, the speech is delivered from Yen where she's saying, you know, we have the opportunity here to come together, to come back as the bro- brotherhood and be our best selves um, so that we can maintain some semblance of uh, of power within the continent you know let the kingdoms battle amongst themselves we don't need to be them we need to be the brotherhood again we need to come back together um so while there are those two dissenting voices that are unable to stop this conclave it's going to go ahead she's going to be able to bring everybody back together but we have some moments here with her talking to tissia about it we we have uh, a question as to why tissia and philippa um separated philippa being the mage that's uh that's um up in Redenia. um and Tissy kind of says, ah, sure, you know, the friendship ran its course, but... Um, yeah, she's Yen, quite offhand, isn't she? She is, very yeah. offhand, but Yen makes the decision that she's going to go by portal to uh, speak to Philippa directly. Um, I love that scene as well. She arrives just in time for the funeral of uh, of Queen Hedwig um, and speaks to Philippa at the, back of the, uh, at the back of the room, antagonizing the king, who's just lost his queen you know he's he's making a speech over it it's also very funny if you read just the subtitles of what the king is actually saying over the body of his dead queen um have a read back if you didn't notice what he's at what, what his actual speech is uh, about what the queen meant to him it's really funny but yeah. uh, but he's completely distracted by the fact that yennefer's here kicks everybody in the court out and uh yennefer goes to him to get him to send philippa to the conclave and Yen hits on one little great note here. She uses the death of the queen as a possible reason for um, Rodinia to be worried and effectively turns Dijkstra's plan on its head <laughs> yeah. and gets him sent to the conclave yeah. along with Prince Radovid 
and uh, and Philippa, who exactly. is her intended target. So, yeah. uh, so all three of them sent by the king, uh, just by yeah, mixing things up a little exactly. bit. Exactly, it was really good. I have yeah. to say, as the three of them are all nattering at the back of the funeral mm-hmm. uh, speech um, from King Visimir, I it, again, it was another humorous moment. It was like yeah. the naughty children at the back, absolutely, um, sort of getting caught out and and. The rage, you know, Yen has a very, at least in this episode, Yen has a very good way, um, of diffusing the tension caused by herself, uh-huh. um, both in terms of the, the, the Council of Mages, but mm-hmm. also here then in, in Vizimir's, uh, own backyard. And I mean, actually, you know, you have, uh, Tasia, uh, mentioning how, you know, She's actually good at politics here, yeah. uh, you, you know, and that was kind of a nice little touch here. You know, yeah. it kind of at least puts some kind of basis as to why they aren't holding her to account. Uh, I mean, they are and they aren't, or at mm. least uh, Stregobor and uh, Artorius are, mm. um, you know. Everyone else is seemingly uh, going along with uh, Tasia, who, oh, you know. Thank you all so much for forgiving my past, is, is Yen's great way of yeah. diffusing that moment. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Um, and to uh, Tasia as well, like you say, she's a little offhand in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not only does she um, sort of really sweep under the carpet what happened between her and Philippa, mm-hmm. um, but. Also, we have another novice that has disappeared from Arachusa, yes. uh, Elizabeth, which has been noticed by Triss, um, who is meeting Istrid. Um, yes. A- and they are now becoming worried about what is going on. I'll tell you um, what, if I was in sorcery school, I'd want one of my teachers to be like Triss, the one yeah. that notices yeah, that like exactly. 10 or 15 different kids have gone missing from the school. She mentions it to everybody. She says it to, to Tissia and she's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. Everybody's been sent away because of the conclave. Yeah. She mentions it to Istrid and he's like, ah, sure, three three girls uh, disappeared during my year in school <laughs> as well. They just couldn't hack it. It's only when she looks up the book to find out who's been missing that she realizes everyone that's gone is half elvish half human yeah. so there's definitely something wrong there right exactly and um, but also even to see is told that there was blood on the on the wall mm. like previously noticed by uh tris yeah so i guess we should get less accident prone uh yeah. <laughs> young mages is kind of her, her reaction to it so um is yeah. that covering up something though i don't know don't know but mm. it, it it's just She's becoming a little evasive yeah. uh, here, I think, ultimately, is, is to see her. Absolutely. But that investigation and that, and that moment with Trish, it's, it was a little note I wanted to bring in anyway because I thought it was quite important. I'm, I know you were like myself because we watched the episode together, John. We both looked down the list of names in the book and instantly saw Taryn in there, the, the girl who was impersonating uh, Siri last episode. So we as the audience now know what happened to these missing girls, at least part of it because of what Geralt told us it wasn't until Geralt actually explained to Siri what had happened that I, I was able to kind of catch exactly what was going on so that that castle that he went to which had the three heads coming out of the wall yeah. and is where he found Terran those three heads coming out of the wall were also former students um who were kidnapped yeah that creature that was created of the body parts they were old kids that had been kidnapped and experimented on by this mage and the only one that survived was Terran and her mind had been broken by the experimentation done on her so that makes that that scene 
from two episodes ago that makes it even worse it makes, yeah, it, makes exactly. it even more um horrible what he's doing he's he's taking these people out this this mage that we don't know yet is taking kids out experimenting on them until their death and then st- taking another kid kidnapping another kid yeah no i like that Geralt tells siri about those experiments and mm-hmm. their intent to manipulate her and that yeah. you know she must be on her guard I, I you know that that's a good little touch in in the episode yeah um but yeah it it does and it it, it feels like things are really you know the plot thickens Absolutely. Um, i mean even with uh, Triss meeting Istres, you know, mm-hmm. even though they effectively come to the, you know, the the possibility of who the big bad is, yeah. you know, it comes from them telling one another about the Book of Monoliths and the the missing novices, uh, respectively, mm-hmm. and it, you know, from their side, you know, their conclusion is that it's going to be used to banish these half elves um, from. The, the continent and, and you have that nice moment a bit later on with Geralt and Yen who where Yen is saying who hates me who experiments mm-hmm. on children and um, and both of them as well then uh identify Stregobor yes. um as the dark mage who's backing uh Rience. um so for very different reasons as people are coming to focus on Stregobor and certainly as you know with Yennefer making her case but again it it's interesting it, you know it seems the obvious choice but is it yeah. simply he doesn't like elves you know yeah. it maybe or that, simply doesn't like yen you know, or <laughs> yeah. simply doesn't like yen so yeah. it, it it's really really um sort of intriguing and certainly with the assassination attempt on yen as well as mm-hmm. she transports back from Redania yeah. uh, to Aratusa, and you have the the portal being corrupted, mm-hmm. and then her being attacked by an illusion that looks like Geralt. You know, um, so you know again, this is brings Triss and Yen together. You know, around the notion that something sinister is going uh, on here, mm-hmm. um, it, and it's dangerous to bring Siri here. Uh, but there is some possible clue here with the dark stella um powder uh, that Yen has um, has brought back from where she was attacked. Yes. Uh, and Triss and Istrid do a locator spell to to find the book on the monoliths mm-hmm. through that stellacite. Yeah. Uh, where we get to see. A elaborate rose uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I don't know quite what that means at this stage. Yes. But yes. yes. But seems to have set them on the path of uh, Stregobor as yeah. well. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he does seem very villainous. It's a, it's a, the character that's always kind of uh, been there and stood against Yen. So you kind of assume it's him. Yeah. But there's definitely other possibilities. And I do think to say it seems to be. Absolutely. Yeah. A, a possibility, let's say. Uh, Definitely. Maybe she's not being just dismissive. Maybe she is trying to cover something up about the, the girls that have gone missing, you know? It just seems a little elusive, um, mm. you know, and possibly suspicious in the circumstances as the audience, you know. Yeah. Ah, forget about blood on the walls. Yeah, it's fine. Exactly. Don't worry about them. I know where they are. Yeah. Um, and what about her partner as well? Uh, Vildeford. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we see him, you know, tr- in this episode where, you know, he, he's talking with Yen, but it's more about trying to protect 
to see it. Yeah. Um, and, and her reputation that she's the one that has to clean up all the messes that, um, Yen makes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she's losing currency on the council. Yeah. Uh, and don't do that. And maybe, you know, I, I don't I, really, I don't get the sense, but I mean, if he's possibly in, um, league with Tasia, maybe mm-hmm. he is that, you know, that's why he's trying to, uh, protect, um, to see her by telling Yen, you need to make sure you clean up your own mess and you give her backing, you know? Or it's just a way of convincing Yen not to leave as well. Yeah. They have her where they want her, uh, potentially. If, if they are, uh, they are the ones in, in charge of all this. They have Yen where they want her. They have Siri where they want her. And she's not going to run away in the middle of the night again, uh, like she did last time is maybe that's what he's trying to do there. Um, because remember, he was the one that uh, that turned on his own men uh, earlier on in in the show, right? He's yeah. uh, he had that strange moment where he turned around and killed one of his own uh, one of his own men. So yeah. um, I, I still wonder there's something there's something there, but we don't know what it is yet. So uh, I don't I just don't think it's as straightforward because everybody's re- reached the same conclusion on Stragabore. I just yes. don't think it's as straightforward as it being Stragabor. No, uh, agrees. But it could just because the show's not finishing in uh, in two episodes time. So. Um, so I feel like there might be something else uh, yeah. in there. In there, um, that was a very roundabout way, and I think we covered almost everything in the episode. Uh, in between mine, mine and your point, there. A couple of the quick notes. Um, we see Dijkstra sending a rider to the uh, naval headquarters to deliver a message. We eventually hear what that message is later in the episode. Uh, the message is that they need to bring reinforcements to arrive at Artuza after dawn, and then we see that this rider was the rider that uh, Siri had seen his future at the beginning yes. of the series, uh, taking an arrow to his neck. Which he does. Which he does. He takes an arrow to his neck and, and dies, uh, not having delivered this message to uh, to the intended reinforcements for uh, for Dijkstra. So firstly, how will that play out if Dijkstra thinks he's going to be getting reinforcements and they don't come? That's that's one thing. But interestingly, it plays into that discussion that Siri had with Yen about using about using her visions and saving people. Uh, Yen told her at the time, what happens if you save someone and you make the continent worse because you've only seen a small window of what's happened to them? Yeah, because interestingly in this case, yeah. Dijkstra gives the order to this rider mm-hmm. before the invitation to come to Aratusa. Absolutely, yes, yes, very true, very true. So could it be that... If Siri had saved this guy and he delivered the message, an army of Dijkstra's could have turned up at Artrusa to take her, to get her from there. Yeah. Um, so in, an interesting uh, play on what happened back uh, earlier on in the season. But that's one of the things I do like about this season of the show. It's it's really building on the previous episode. So while we're only watching one episode at a time, as you get through the series, you're learning more about the things you've already seen, which I, yeah. I do really like. Uh, uh, yeah, Also. Definitely. Also love the close out of the episode uh, as everybody enters the uh, the ball. We have this kind of recurring question that each group is asking to each to to themselves. Are you sure about this? So we have uh, Philippa and Dijkstra arriving. Um, are you sure about this? And the response is, well, we get answers and then we act. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Tristan Istrid arriving. Uh, are you sure about this? And they say, we'll do this together. Um, Tissia and Vilj- Viljefords arrive. They ask the question, are you sure about this? And they go, not in the slightest, says Tissia. And then finally, Geralt and Yen arrive. Uh, Yen asks, are you sure about this? And Geralt goes, are you? 
Yeah, of course, because you can't give a straight answer. But uh, but I do love that that each each member of these four Absolutely. different groups come in with the same question. A yeah. great little touch at the end of the episode. Definitely. Um, the only little note I've got is um, Fringilla parties hard. I just love the oh, scene. I think in some respects it was possibly slightly unnecessary other than we hear that she wants to learn more about the missing ships that are going up and down the coast mm-hmm. um, uh, and so on uh, as she's sort of listening in about the conclave. So well, that's, she's the, wa- yeah, yeah, that's she, the big thing she learns. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's wanted to know about the conclave. Yeah. But I like this fringilla um, that parties hard. I love the fact that it opens up with her screaming drunk, I'm not dead. You would think she wouldn't want to go anywhere near the alcohol after what Absolutely. she was put through, but she obviously has a taste for it. Um, <laughs> and again, another just very funny little moment where the, the two barmen are kind of talking and ignoring her. So she's just filling up her ale glass with like rubies. Mm-hmm. And then it's, uh, with, with flowers. With flowers yeah. And one of the bartenders just mentions who keeps filling up these glasses with flowers mm-hmm. as he goes to actually pour her another beer like will this shut you up for a second here's a a glass of beer Uh, because the conversation that they're having is effectively because the conclave's coming they will no longer have any more ale in the local tavern because they're going to redirect all the supply up to our chooses so I, I, I know it's a really small thing, but I like that they're even seeing what happens to locals when the the, the local absolutely uh, the local rulers, I suppose, almost yeah. uh, are taking all the all the um, all their livelihood and taking all the yeah. all their stock. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I just really like that scene yeah. uh, as well. Um, for me, I I, I think it, it's really again just driving forward in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying the series actually overall, yeah. e- even with I guess episode two feeling a little disjointed. And um, so yeah, I'd give this four and a half sloppy drunks out of five. <laughs> Very good. That's why you had to mention the point about uh, yes. about Fringilla because it wouldn't have made sense otherwise. <laughs> well, it's actually a phrase that uh, Siri. Uh, says as she, ah, um, this, you know, she recites uh, the argument about power hungry mages, sloppy drunks, uh-huh. and what I said to Yen. Yes. And, um, you know, yeah. so, uh, it, it comes from that, but it is equally applicable to Fringilla in this case. Very yeah. good. Very good. Uh, yeah, enjoyed that moment. And yeah, overall enjoyed this episode. Can't wait for the next, uh, for the next episode, the final episode of this half of the season um, I just think how it closed out with those moments of are you sure about this with each of the big groups it's a really good way of writing out the end of the episode so uh, so can't wait uh, for the next episode I had to hold off on, on press and play uh, on this last one good stuff uh, we have a bit of feedback in from Coffee and Vodka an email in uh, from him uh, he says greetings fellow seafarer defenders this one seemed all about Stregobor even though he's always been Rience's patron I never had him pegged as the big bad just seems too obvious. Nice to see the band back together, though it does seem like the calm before the storm, a storm in which I feel we might lose a main character. I won't pretend to understand all the alliances, real or temporary, among the kingdoms, but was Atruza always considered the enemy of Redania, or is this an overt breaking of a treaty? And now the Fringilla now seems to be done partying and have found a mission, can hardly wait to see her become part of the mix. Four-paged mage meetings? Siri sees salamander slayings and minstrel mashups out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Excellent stuff, coffee and vodka. Mm. Um, in terms of the overbreaking of a treaty, I'm really not too sure on, on that. I think tensions between 
Redania and the Brotherhood of Mages occurred mm. because of Yennefer's release of Cahir, who was yes. the Nilfgaardian. So I think it's coming from that. Yes. So I don't think there was... Uh, I don't know whether they were enemies or uh, in that sense, but... Uh, I think I think it's like technically weren't they sending out a mage from Aratruza to each of the kingdoms? So it's yeah. not the original yeah. uh, thing. So Philippa is from Aratruza, so they're not technically against Artruza, they're against, as you say, Yen, and if if they're supporting them and Yen hadn't apologized to the king, potentially they would still have that. Yeah. So I don't think there's a treaty as such. And I, I think because at least for Redania, it's so caught up with Redanian intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit of the, the power play and the centers of power and Arachusa is a key center of power, which you can yeah, imagine for Dijkstra, who is wanting to make Redania the power kingdom mm. in the continent. Yeah, you know, not only is it Nilfgaard, but actually the the Brotherhood mm. uh, it is in some ways problematic uh, yeah. in different ways for him. And certainly with having Philippa, it's not that he's against mages, mm-hmm. but he has a mage who is willing to be on the same page as him because I'm assuming of what happened between her and Tessia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, there's lots of intrigue there, there um, which I'm really uh, excited about. Absolutely. Maybe we'll get some answers in the uh, in the fifth episode of the season, in, a, in uh, well, next time we record. Uh, good stuff. Thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. We also got a bit of feedback in from Dr. Bob Phillips after we recorded um, over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Uh, Dr. Bob says, in a room the size of Cahir's, why does he end up with a single bed? I mean, there's space big enough for at least a queen. Nice to see by the end that his sneaky, disreputable self is still very much in evidence, though. Delighted with the return of Monster of the Week and the impressive witchering from Siri. I think we're all proud of her. The other thing that struck me is how the beautiful blue-eyed archaeologist is wearing far better tailored clothing this season. Glad the continent is catching up with masculine fashions and that the conclave will be an opportunity for show as well as tell. Oh yes, Dr. Bob, there's definitely going to be opportunity for some great costumes at the ball. And yes, Istrid did look fantastic. Yes, he looked absolutely gorgeous. Um, definitely very, very dapper in the, in his new outfit. Yeah, we loved the scene with Siri um, taking on the witchering and showing her prowess as a as a fighter in this episode. It's really cool. Uh, as for Cahir's bed, I don't know. It seemed like a last-minute uh, decision to let him stay. Maybe it was just one of the side rooms. Um, he wasn't given one of the best rooms in the castle, maybe until he'd carried out his mission. Maybe the next time we see him, um, he'll be in a very nice room. He'll get an upgrade. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dr. Bob, for your feedback. Good stuff. If you want to send in any feedback on this half of the season of The Witcher, uh, season three, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV Podcast Industries. We'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on these episodes as well. Yes, absolutely. Remember, fellow witches, please subscribe to the podcast and share us because, of course, sharing the podcast is what, Derek? Sharing the love. Exactly. This episode was full of love. It certainly was. Yes, it really, really was. And mm. um, of course, all your support is very welcome. Uh, you can support us as well monthly through patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries, or you can support us on a one-off uh, through buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. 
Absolutely. Thanks so much to everybody that supports us and everybody that shares the podcast. It's exactly. Great to have you with us uh, for our coverage of The Witcher. We'll be back next time to discuss the final episode of this part of The Witcher, episode five, The Art of the Illusion. Uh, remember, part two will be out on July 27th. Uh, we are also covering Secret Evasion on Disney Plus at the moment. And coming up later this month in July, we'll start our coverage of Good Omens season two. Good Omens, good show, good comedy. Yes. Yeah, looking forward to that. Good stuff. Yeah. Off kilter as well. Off kilter, weird, wacky, very British. Uh, yes. Love it. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yes, thank you so much, fellow witches, for joining us. Remember, in the meantime, before we meet again, uh, keep watching, keep listening, and keep witching. And of course, prepare for the ball with your finest dancing shoes and get ready for the conclave. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Bye.